The Granzadillo School of Business and Management at Pepperdine University proudly presents the Dean's Executive Leadership Series. This podcast invites top business practitioners and thought leaders to share their view on the real world of business. Hello and welcome. My name is Rick Gibson, and I'm the Associate Vice President for Public Affairs here at Pepperdine University. And I'm joined today by Dr. Linda Livingstone, who's the Dean of the Grazadillo School of Business and Management. Welcome, Linda. Thank you, Rick. It's a pleasure to be here today. Well, we have come to the final uh, guest in our uh, Dean's Executive Leadership Series. How has the series gone so far this year? We have had a fabulous series for the year. We've had people all the way from the editor-at-large of Fortune Magazine, Patty Sellers, to our most recent uh, speaker, Bill George, who's the former CEO of Medtronics, who spoke on authentic leadership. So it's been quite diverse and very interesting. Well, that's terrific. And today uh, you are speaking with Kawana Brown. Tell us a little bit about your guest. Kawana is the managing partner and chief operating officer of Magic Johnson Enterprises, which oversees not only Magic Johnson's foundation, but also Johnson Development Corporation. And they focus uh, very explicitly on uh, building businesses in underserved areas. So it will be quite fascinating as she talks about the amazing work that they're doing. And probably like the others, there will be a full house. Well, I'm glad that our uh, listeners have an opportunity to hear the interview that you have now. So let me invite them just to sit back and listen to this interview with Kawana Brown, who's the Managing Partner and Chief Operating Officer of Magic Johnson Enterprises. Well, it's my pleasure today to welcome to our podcast Kawana Brown. And this is quite a treat to have Kawana with us. She is the Managing Partner and Chief Operating Officer of Magic Johnson Enterprises, and that means that she's responsible for the overall leadership of the organization and handles all aspects of business development, negotiations, licensing, and so on uh, for the entire organization. So, Kawana, it is a pleasure to have you with us today. I'm happy to be here today. You might start off by telling us kind of how you got started with Magic Johnson Enterprises and uh, got into the position Mm -hmm. of being their chief operating officer. Sure, sure. Um, I've been with the company now for 11 years, and I started in an entry-level position. Uh, A a mentor of mine, and I truly firmly believe in mentors, a mentor of mine while in in college, uh, actually went over to work for Mr. Johnson at the very first um, onset of the Magic Johnson Theaters. At that time, um, I believe I was, I maybe have gradu- had graduated less than a year, and I had um, requested that if there was any position available, I wanted to come and work for him, primarily because of what I saw him doing in the community. I grew up in South Central Los Angeles, maybe 10 minutes away from where the theater is open today. And for me, that meant empowerment, that meant change. And my, my, my um, major in college was sociology. So I really wanted to give back, my primary focus. Um, and I saw what he was doing to affect change in the community. So that's how I started with the company. And uh, from there, um, the history, you know, has written it's itself. been an amazing climb it with has. the company. I mean, uh, the success and all. One of the things you talked about is really interesting because our mission at the business school is to develop value-centered leaders. Yes. And we talk a lot about wanting our, our students to not only add value and create value for the businesses they're a part of, but also right. to create value for society. Right. And one of the things I love about Magic Johnson Enterprises is that you 
have so wonderfully melded those two pieces together, mm-hmm. adding business value while adding value to society. Talk a little bit about how you do that and why that's such an important part of what you do. Well, adding value uh, is such a tremendous part about uh, what we do. Uh, the first thing I would definitely say is we have connected with the communities that we serve. Uh, and connecting with the communities creates value, um, not only from the business side, but also from the philanthropic side. We give back to the same communities that, that we do business in. We provide jobs from one, one standpoint, and we also provide scholarships, uh, internships through our foundation. Uh, that adds value and it creates value to our overall mission of empowering those same communities. It's a wonderful combination. Very great. And adds great value mm-hmm. in the community. Mm-hmm. Well, one of the other things about the organization you're a part of is just the brand. Right. And Magic Johnson was a wonderful brand as a basketball player, and he's also a wonderful brand as a business person. How do you, you know, talk about the importance of building that brand and and how you do that, certainly with a person like that in that role, but even kind of beyond that. Right. A brand is so important to build in any type of business. And being with the company for as long as I have been, I was able to see a lot. Um, Running the foundation, I truly saw um, the element of building a brand. Uh, I ran the foundation for five years while I was there. Uh, But being there, I also saw that we had other entities, our Johnson Development Corporation, as well as um, the Enterprises, which is the hub. But internally, we were not connected as a brand, but externally, the consumer saw Magic Johnson as a brand. So from that point, I really had to alert Mr. Johnson and say, hey, we internally have to identify ourselves as one brand, one voice, having one mission in order to continue to um, uh, embody what the consumer and the community saw us as. Um, so the importance of building a brand came from that, that point, uh, I would say. Uh, we now have one mission. We now have one vision, although we have clear focuses depending upon the the, uh, the entity. Uh, but there is one voice to the magic brand, and that is we are the communities we serve um, in empowering that, that urban market. So when you have a person like Magic Johnson that that brand is built around, mm-hmm. how do you use him in a way to sort of leverage uh, that brand and to build that brand, particularly in the urban communities that you're serving? Yeah, that's a great question. Um, to use him, because he is an individual, and he's also a brand as well. That's right. Um, the great thing is he stands for so much outside of the individual. He stands for community. He stands for empowerment. He stands for trust and loyalty. Uh, so to take him away from, take the physical person away uh, from having to be present at, every, at everything that we do uh, is a great thing because the brand, the impact of the brand is still there. When you go into any one of our businesses, they recognize that Magic Johnson is a part of this. If it's, if it's a Starbucks or a technology center, whatever it may be, um, the consumer or the customer knows that this is magics and he doesn't necessarily have to be there. Now, in a sense that we use the actual physical presence of magic as just an added plus, an added value, uh, because he brings so much character, he brings so much passion uh, into what he does. Uh, so it, it just creates an added value and an added plus for, um, for what the brand stands for. Well, we had the good fortune of having uh, Mr. Johnson speak to one of our executive MBA classes a few weeks ago, and I was there for part of it, didn't get to hear all of it, but I can affirm that he is just such a genuine, charismatic personality, and 
was just so um, connected with our students and so willing to answer their questions and everything. So I can see how you certainly want to use them as much as you can, but certainly as your enterprise has grown, yes. there's no way, there's no way that to we use can. them everywhere Correct. that you would like to. Correct. And that's one thing I would say. I mean, obviously, we are building a legacy, and that legacy needs to stand alone. It needs to stand, um, it needs to stand on its own far after he's gone, we're all gone. Um, so that's where this, the company is headed. The company is headed in a direction where Magic Johnson, the physical person, doesn't necessarily have to be there. And, and that's an important strategic yeah. direction for a company to mm-hmm. go, particularly when uh, they're so embedded in a person, right. at least at their founding. Right. You know, one of the other things about your organization is that you have made a concerted efforts to invest in urban markets. That's what you do and really did that very early on when there was really an aversion to doing that and people thinking that you couldn't uh, run a profitable company Correct. investing in urban markets. So what was the impetus for doing that and what have you done uniquely at Magic Johnson Enterprise that has made that so successful? Yeah. Um it all has stemmed from the vision of, of Mr. Irvin Johnson. Uh, he, from 25 years ago when he first had his, uh, his first business, uh, which was a radio station in the community, he wanted to just invest in that. But it was focused on, um, it was focused on um, I wouldn't say development, but of course the, the radio station was primarily focused on the urban listener. Outside of that came our theaters, and that was the first big um, business investment that he did. Uh, but it didn't matter what the business opportunity was, the focus remained the same, and that was investing in that community. It was very hard at first, and you may have even heard him say this, but uh, in his in his um, speeches, he always talks about the 20 doors that were closed um, before that one opened up. Uh, so he had to go in and he had to put on a show and sign the autographs. Uh, he got the meeting with the CEO, with the president or whomever it was to p- potentially be a partner of his, uh, but the door was always closed. But he didn't give up because he had the passion. He had the dream of becoming this entrepreneur that primarily invested in communities that, that he came from. Uh, so from from that, uh, it just continued to, he just continued to thrive. And once that one door opened, um, he was able to prove that um, you can make bi- you can do great business in in the community. So now we have a proven track record with the Starbucks. We have a proven track record with our theaters, uh, and now corporate America is calling calling us, uh, which is a very great thing and a, a great feeling, especially for him, of course, having this vision, and of course for me and having to execute that that plan. Well, he's an amazing example of someone who has transitioned from a very successful sports career into a business career and really translated those skills very effectively and nurtured that in a way that's really adding great value. You've had great successes, but I expect there have been some very difficult times along the way and setbacks. Are there any specific examples of uh, sort of difficult experiences you've gone through at the organization that you've learned a lot from that you might be able to share and kind of maybe the learnings from that? Yeah, I would definitely say that the um, the setbacks have come from from the beginning, from trying to convince uh, partners to partner with our company, to try and convince corporations to invest in the urban market because there wasn't a proven track record once when we first started um, the 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 misconception of uh, crime um, being at the forefront and crippling the uh, the minds of no you know this is a huge spending power that's right here in these urban markets uh, that was the most difficult 
a part of doing business in urban America uh, or, or in the minority communities that, that we serve and convincing the partners to invest with us. That, I would say that was the most difficult. Uh, and of course, it could be discouraging, but uh, we had to continue to persevere. So you've been with the company for about 11 years now. Um, you've, you've talked about the challenges. If you had to look back on the things you've been involved with in those 11 years, what's the one thing you're maybe most proud of or that you feel the best about that you were a part of that's happened while you've been there? I would have to say that um, that would be the establishment of the Taylor Michael Scholarship Program. And I would say that because of, obviously I mentioned Taylor as, as a mentor of mine, um, but she actually passed away only a year and a half after I started with the company. And at that time, we also expanded the mission of our foundation uh, to education, to scholarships, um, and primarily uh, educating those in the, the communities that, that we were serving. So that being able to name a scholarship in her honor uh, the passion that she had for uh, being um, a part of Irvin, Mr. Johnson's company, um, a part of uh, the passion that she also had for youth, uh, and to be able to now, you know, 11 years later, we've been able to send hundreds, thousands actually, uh, of students to college and some yeah, actually here to Pe Pepperdine. So that I would, I would definitely say has been the, the, the greatest thing that has happened since I've been here. It's wonderful to be a part of something like that that leaves such a great legacy right. because those uh, young people will remember that education forever and hopefully will give back at another point in a common, in a similar way that will benefit others as they move forward. Well, you talked a little bit about the challenges early on in sort of getting corporate America to respond. And my understanding, particularly from what Mr. Johnson said when he talked to our students, is there's an awful lot of interest now in investing in what you all are doing. Um, how do you work with some of the larger companies that you partner with, and, and how do you kind of structure the deals to make it work in an urban setting? Um, one thing that we make sure that we do is uh, we partner with companies that truly want to do business in urban communities uh, and that aren't just talking the talk but actually walking the walk. Uh, it's important for that to be, you know, the, the, the first thing that we, that we identify. The second, in, in structuring our, our, our deals, every one of our deals is structured very differently. Um, but for the most part, our added value is understanding that market and understanding who the customer is. Uh, so with that piece of the business being our responsibility, um, us tweaking the existing business that already, you know, that, that's already operating to focus on those customers, um, pretty much all of our deal structures are aligned in that sense. So by way of example, uh, Starbucks, if you walk into a Magic Johnson Starbucks, the music is a little different, the colors are a little different, the, um, the pastries are, are different, and they really resonate with that, cu that customer. Um, we make sure that we engage the community leaders, the politicians, the clergy. Uh, we have a strong uh, relationship in most of the cities, actually all of the cities that, uh, that our businesses are in, but we go into those communities ahead of time. Um, to ensure that the, the, the community knows that Magic Johnson has partnered with this corporation and we're bringing these opportunities to these, uh, these communities. How do you determine which urban communities to target for your investments and your businesses? Each, um, that criteria varies per partnership and per establishment, um, but uh, they have all, I would say they have all um, the common 
uh, theme has been the population, the minority population of each one of our businesses. Um, so Starbucks looks at a certain density. Um, the theaters as well, our Burger Kings, um, they have to be primarily in those, those urban markets, but each one has a specific criteria that, that we look for. Well, as you uh, look at the wonderful growth and success that you've had um, in the past and as you look to the future, what do you anticipate kind of from a strategic perspective, the direction that you'll go in the future and kind of what do you anticipate in terms of growth? In terms of growth, um, we actually just uh, left a company retreat, which was fantastic, and that was primarily part of our discussion was where are we headed? You know, what, what is our growth plan? Um, and, of course, we want to continue to grow to, in the United States, of course, um, to identify more urban markets that we haven't touched yet. Uh, of course, we're in all the major urban markets, Los Angeles, of course, um, New York and Chicago and Washington, D.C. and Atlanta. Uh, but there are some more uh, cities in the southern region that mm -hmm. we really want to focus on, um, the northwest as well, and internationally. We have created some strong partnerships that have international presence, and Magic Johnson is, is known worldwide. Uh, so we want to be able to expand what we're doing here uh, into international areas as well. Well, it'll be interesting to see how it works as you move in an international setting and, and determine how those uh, urban markets work right. internationally versus domestically. Right. Um, you were at the foundation and now you're at the company. What is that relationship between the foundation and the company? How closely do they work together and, and do they you know, share resources? Obviously, you said there's an overarching mission right. that covers both of those. Right. Um, the foundation actually follows the businesses. And what I mean by that is uh, the foundation either provides scholarships in the communities uh, that the businesses are already in, or we have identified a city that we are going into, the foundation will go ahead and provide grants or scholarships in those same communities. Uh, so we're very much in line. And I would also add that each partnership that we have, or each new partnership that we form, also supports our foundation in a number of ways, from sponsorships to co-branding, um, um, scholarships, and funding in a number of different ways, and also aligning the same missions, because a lot of our corporations have their own uh, mission for, um, for, for the community that they are serving. So we align ourselves together to ensure that our foundation and our partner's foundation are doing good for the community. We talked a little bit earlier about sort of this blending of adding business value and value for society. Um, the audience that's listening to this podcast is some of our alumni, people from the business community. What have you learned in your experience um, at Magic Johnson Enterprises? You know, maybe two or three sort of bits of wisdom or advice just for people who are out there that are really trying to think about how to blend those two parts of what they do, both the business value and the value that's sort of more broadly impacting society. Mm -hmm. I would stay. I would say to um, what I've learned is to stay focused on the mission of the company and not to deviate from that too much to where you get outside of uh, the focus. Uh, that has truly been a, 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 a key learning for our company, um, especially being one that is focused on the urban community. There's a lot of need, mm -hmm. uh, but we can't do it all. But we definitely will focus on what we can do and do that very, very well.
And that's, I think that's a wonderful insight, and it really does talk about, you know, being really clear on what your strategic right. direction and your strategic purpose is as an organization and really sticking to that and doing that extremely well. And right. you all have shown that you can do that effectively and add a lot of value along the way. So it has been such a pleasure visiting with you, Kawana. We appreciate so much you taking the time to be here and wish you all the best as you continue the wonderful work that you're doing at Magic Johnson Enterprise. Great. Well, thank you so much. I'm glad to be here. Well, Linda, that was a uh, fascinating uh, interview with Kawana. Any uh, last thoughts about uh, your time with her? Well, it was just really a fascinating evening and a fascinating interview as she talked to us about the amazing work that Magic Johnson Enterprises is doing in underserved communities all across uh, America. So I encourage people to take full advantage of listening to what she had to say and to enjoying this uh, more than once. Yes. Well, this is the final in what has been a terrific and tremendous season of, um, of guests. Uh, any final thoughts about the series? Well, we've had a wonderful year this year, and we encourage people to look forward to our speaker series next year, which will begin in September or October, and also encourage everyone to go to our website at bschool.pepperdine.edu to keep up with the latest activities and events going on in the business school, and that's also where we'll have announcements about our speakers for next year. Well, very good. Until next time, thanks for listening. Facing real business challenges head-on is what Pepperdine University's fully employed real-world MBA program is all about. Rhonda Hofarth, Chief Operating Officer, Ironclad Incorporated. Even though Ironclad has sold millions of high-performance work gloves worldwide, there are times even we could use a helping hand. That's where the MBA students at Pepperdine come in. From grassroots startups to large corporations, Pepperdine's partner companies provide students with hands-on experience in solving actual live business cases. These Pepperdine MBA students are also working professionals, and they consistently provide our company with innovative ideas, impressive research data, and an excellent potential employment pool. Pepperdine University's prestigious Grazio Dio School of Business and Management, where the real world of business is mastered. To learn more, call 1-800-933-3333. That's 1-800-933-3333.